This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Leland Sklar, and you are digging Pantheon Podcast. Yes! History in Five Songs With host Martin Popoff A production of Pantheon Podcasts Let's rock out with Martin. Well, hello. Welcome back to another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good folks at Pantheon. Pleased, as always, to be part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. I've been on a, a few people's shows. It's been a lot of fun. Um, we've got a great family here. We are available on Spotify, iTunes, and over 40 other podcast platforms. All right. So this episode, episode 49, we are just simply going to be calling Weird Solos. Um, tell you a little bit about how these episodes sometimes evolve. Um, you know, go to our Facebook page for this, History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff. And uh, Joe Beck, faithful listener, came up with, uh, well, I'll just read you what he said here. So he says, episode suggestion, best solos not played on a guitar. The Harmonica on Nobody's Fault But Mine by Zeppelin is my top one. The Bagpipes on Long Way to the Top by ACDC as well. So that got me thinking, you know, I always, you know, and there's more suggestions. I'm going to read some of these. But the way these things sort of work is I'll see some of these suggestions and then I'll, um, you know, I'll rise to the challenge and try to stump uh, stump you, the listeners, and come up with some cool ones myself. And uh, and there is an episode. I don't want to put everything on the Facebook and show you all, all what's going to happen. Um, because um, then that kind of kind of kills the anticipation. But I, I just wanted to say, uh, just mention a little bit of where this sort of went from here. So the first thing that happens is Matt Stoinoff put on, I think the obvious is to go to keys. So I was going to do an episode. First, I started looking for all these great keyboard solos, and I was going to do one just on keyboard solos in, in more or less a hard rock context. And then that led me to, man, I would love to find a way to talk about the Phil Lynott albums, his second solo album, Old Town, on there, which has my favorite piano solo of all time. So I started thinking, okay, forget keyboards. There's lots of keyboards. Where can I find a bunch of piano solos? So I started thinking about piano solos. Then I started thinking about dueling keyboard and guitar solos and made a small list of those. So 
Uh, through this process, we've got the germination of another episode um, that might go to piano, might just go to keyboards, um, might go to uh, this idea of dueling keyboards and guitars. But I did want to mention a few more things on here just as a setup. Um, I think we did this a previous time where I want to mention a few examples that people brought up uh, that won't be the examples that uh, I will be using in this episode. So uh, what do we got here? Um He's from Wick, Rick Wakeman, uh, Locomotive Breath. So yeah, there's the whole idea of uh, where and when uh, we've got uh, good old Ian Anderson and flute. Um, let's see, yeah, keyboard intros. So Steve McNary brought up, uh, you know, uh, Tony Carey and Tarot Woman. I, I started making a list of, uh, of the big keyboard intros. Um, here's one I didn't go play to check this out to do this episode, but I'm sure this is a good one. The Kazoo Solo on Saigon Kicks My Life. Um, Mike Maluski mentions the, um, well, he actually, he mentioned that one as well. Um, but here's a second one from him. He mentioned the trombone solo on Magellan's Test of Wills. Uh, he also mentioned the violin solo on Kansas Dust in the Wind. Uh, what else do we got here? Um, yeah, um, Joe, yeah, so there's Joe mentioning that uh, harmonica again. Then I mentioned Claude Schnell because I thought, okay, you know, I, I could almost theme one of these episodes around keyboard solos in the quote-unquote Deep Purple family. Um, so that might actually happen as well. Um, Roberto Vega mentioned Sabaton, Red Baron. Um, let's see. Don Airy, Uriah Heap. So there's a bunch of these I might want to do. Then then we've got Sky Skyclad with fiddle solos. So there's going to be a lot of that. There's mention of harp player. So there you go. So, so there's a little bit of a clue of where this is going. So I just called it Weird Solos. So essentially, this is uh, this is going to be uh, non-guitar solos uh, and and some some cool things that happen over time that will and and all of these will have kind of a different idea around them and allow us to go to a couple places. So okay, so let's get into our first one in this episode forty-nine: Weird Solos, History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff. Take a listen to this. This is Black Sabbath with the Wizard. <laughs> So I picked that obviously because we've got a, a harmonica, or as they say, harp solo uh, played by Ozzy. Um, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool hearing hearing a little bit of harmonica in uh, in Black Sabbath. And you know, this brought me back. I wanted to mention this one because this brought me back to uh, you know this debate that I have quite often uh, with. Uh, you know, people saying, including Tony Iommi himself, saying that Black Sabbath is a blues band. And I don't find a lot of blues in Black Sabbath anywhere. Um, you know, obviously they started as a blues band. We've talked about this before on the show. But uh, but I keep forgetting, uh, and I wanted to play this here because I keep forgetting that one of the small little bits of proof or trace elements that they are somewhat a blues band. This idea of having this harmonica. So this this is pretty bluesy harmonica playing in here. And and yes, I mean it counts as a uh, as a harmonica solo, I suppose, in the Wizard. One thing you know, a lot of people know this, but I thought I'd mention this. Um, one cool thing about the Wizard is that uh, Blue Oyster Cult's "Cities on Flame" with rock and roll is uh, is basically a lift of this song. 
you know, they wanted to, uh, Columbia essentially were a little bit jealous that Warner Brothers had Black Sabbath and Black Sabbath was blowing up and uh, they wanted their own version of Black Sabbath. So, uh, you know, Albert and the boys, essentially, I believe this was an Albert idea, but the idea was, well, if they want Black Sabbath, we'll give them Black Sabbath. And it's a little bit of an in-joke kind of thing. Um, but, you know, that riff, you know, that thing is is essentially a lift of the wizard. And then, of course, um, Blue Oyster Cult takes it a whole different place anyways. But I, but I thought that was kind of funny. Oh, you know, one other thing I want to mention on this Black Sabbath one, uh, before I go on, again, on the evolution of these episodes, is that I started looking for, okay, I mean, can I actually just even do a Black Sabbath episode um, of Weird Solos? And I didn't quite get to five, maybe you guys can help me out, but... Um, you know, I, I instantly started thinking of piano, and I, I went and checked, you know, driving driving to mail books yesterday. I, uh, I was playing in the car, uh, Rock and Roll Doctor, because I knew that there was piano on that. That would be Jez Woodruff, cool guy. Um, neat story there. He went on to play with Robert Plant, of course. But there's no real piano solo in it. It's more like just... Um, you know, this barrel house piano that kind of goes on in this one song, which again is one of the bluesiest songs uh, Black Sabbath, I think, ever did, Rock and Roll Doctor. And then there's Rick Wakeman's playing in, uh, in uh, Sabra Cadabra, basically the end of Sabra Cadabra. But again, it's just sort of jamming along with Tony. I wouldn't classify it as a uh, piano solo. One cool thing, um, you know, that I, I did find or was reminded of, uh, Tony does a, a true blue acoustic guitar solo in, uh, in the Bill Ward piano slash Beatles type song that, that Bill Ward brought to Technical Ecstasy, It's All Right. Um, so there's piano in that. But actually, when you get to the uh, to the solo section, it's actually acoustic guitar, which is a rare thing for Tony to do. So please, if someone wants to help me out and uh, and tell me where there's perhaps a uh, synthesizer solo, um, I went and played um, Am I Going Insane, thinking, oh, there might be some uh, a synth solo in here, but there really wasn't. Um, so if someone can find a synth solo and and anything else to uh, to round that out to... Uh, to uh, weird solos in Black Sabbath songs, uh, a further drilling down of this episode, uh, feel free. That would be cool. Um, okay, so let's move on. Um, so yeah, so this is just called Weird Solos. This one is probably the least weird in here, but I thought I'd mention it because it is kind of cool. Um, take a listen. This is uh, Motorhead with Stay Clean. Stay Clean, honey. Okay, so there you go. Uh, we're we're at the first really great Motorhead album, Overkill, 1979. I often posit this as the heaviest album of the 1970s. I really, truly think it is. Um, you know, along with the likes of maybe Rainbow Rising or uh, or maybe even the Montrose album, maybe that first Heavy Load album, also Motorhead Bomber. There's a little clutch of albums that I consider the heaviest of the 70s. Have we done that episode yet? I don't think we have. That would be kind of a cool episode. Anyways... 
Uh, what you just heard was a uh, was a bass solo from Lemmy. Now that's not so strange. I mean, a bass is sort of a guitar, um, but uh, but I like this because it's not a bass solo like uh, Anesthesia Pulling Teeth. You know, the the um, the Cliff Burton, which precedes a song and it's just totally solo. This is Lemmy playing along in a song, playing a bass solo exactly like you would actually play a guitar solo. Uh, I'm sure there's lots of other examples of Lemmy doing bass solos, um, but this is one of the um, most musical you know when you listen to this you kind of instantly recognize it you know where the notes are going to go it's a good musical solo that's incorporated into this song rather well so that's why I wanted to play this so there you go weird solo it's not fast Eddie Clark on guitar it's Lemmy on bass doing a solo um this reminds me, and stop me if you've heard this story before. I mean, I'm going to start repeating myself, I'm sure, in these episodes. But one of my favorite bass solos ever was uh, was the Pino Palladino solo in um, David Gilmour's song uh, Murder, which is from About Face. I think it's 1986. But it's a cool fretless bass solo. I had a bass at the time. I was in university in Victoria. Um, I actually learned that on the bass. It was so fun playing that. Um, but that's a beautiful, beautiful bass solo. I'm sure there's other solos, all, obviously, all throughout uh, all sorts of songs. Um, but yeah, I thought that was a cool one. Um, so there you go. That was Motorhead Stay Clean. Uh, let's take a short break. We'll be right back. All right, back again. Um, Martin Popoff, History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff. This is episode 49. We're calling this Weird Solos. Uh, this is one that was brought up by the uh, the faithful uh, Facebook uh, listeners. Uh Take a listen to this. This is Rush with Losing It. All right, so what we have here is, uh, you know, I, I wanted to pick this. It's a very memorable solo. Rush fans uh, love this solo. They love this song. It's one of my favorite Rush songs, even though it's a ballad. Um, but it's a very, very smart, cool ballad. It's not a cheesy power ballad or anything. Losing It is just this really cool song on my favorite Rush album, Signals, um, which is about, um, you know, artists uh, losing their touch with age. There's a dancer in there. I think there's a writer in there. I think implicit is the idea of music. Um, you know, uh, so this is uh, this is um, basically what you get in here is an electric violin solo from Ben Mink. Ben Mink is uh, is a you know a well-respected Canadian musician. He was in FM. Um, later on, he is a big collaborator with Getty on his uh, on his solo album, My Favorite Headache. Um, and he came back actually when Rush pulled "Losing It," uh, you know, back out of the. Uh, Back, back out of the dusty shelves and played this song live on their on their sort of farewell situation. Um, I believe it was twice uh, Ben Mink came out and actually played this live with them. And this is one of the magic, magic moments for uh, for Rush fans, Rush concert goers, is seeing Ben Mink reprise his role from losing it. Um, so yeah, this is a really cool solo. Um, it is electric violin. And one of the things I really like about it is he basically sounds like Alex Lifeson. He's got that same headspace as Alex Lifeson on here. It's a textural thing. It's a, it's a slash and burn, you know, a delicate 
slash and burn. It's a it's sort of a slashing angling. Um, you know, I can almost think of fly fishing when I hear this. Um, but basically, um, he sounds a lot like Alex, and there's some dovetailing with Alex that goes on uh, there. Uh, so this was a cool thing to put into a song, and it's violin, which is kind of cool. Um, you know, I don't know. I haven't really thought about this, but it reminds me of uh, what is it? The music of Eric Zahn, um, which Mekong Delta uh, had a had a thing about, and I think that's an old story. But I'll, I also think of Rome and you know fiddling as as Rome burns, Nero and all that. So violin, it it, it strikes me I, again. I suppose what it strikes me here is this is another example of uh, of making us ponder and an artist uh, you know perhaps losing his touch. Violin is one of those things that you know obviously you can. Play play late into old age and you think of all the you know the massive you know classical uh history of of violin so that's kind of cool um and yeah just a reminder again um at this juncture uh as brought up on the facebook page um you know skyclad is a band that uh that used a lot of fiddle and uh and then um you know, moving from fiddle to violin, uh, because in goth, everything's serious. You've got My Dying Bride, uh, where, you know, instrumental in bringing back the violin into heavy metal. So that was a, that was a, that was kind of a gothic novelty, uh, a touch, a, a novelty touch that was put into a gothic doom band. This is, you know, the, the whole Paradise Lost, um, My Dying Bride era, a little bit of cathedral, but My Dying Bride is this slow, doomy, long songs, goth band, super, super serious. Serious, and uh, and they have violin in there, you know. And around this time, it's it's funny. There was just there was also uh, at least in Canada there was a big big revival in um, in Celtic music. Um, so violin was kind of in vogue around around this time. Not the Rush losing it time. I'm talking about the My Dying Bride time. So yeah, there was just a lot of violin in the world. Uh, around that time. Okay, so that was uh, that was Ben Mink. Again, um, like I say, he went on, he, he produced Heart later. He's famous for his work with K.D. Lang. He's just a major super, super, um, you know, mover and shaker. Um, but, but you know, on the quiet end, all the musicians know him in Canada kind of thing. Um, so he's just a utilitarian, uh, just a helping out kind of guy, guitarist as well. Um, so, okay, moving on. Uh, number four, we'll go a completely different place with this one. Uh, take a listen to this. This is Vi with Touching Tongues. So what you got there was a voice solo from uh, none other than Devin Townsend. This was a weird, weird era in Devin's life. He basically was uh, schmooshed together with Steve Vai, two mad scientists uh, duking it out. Uh, and they made this one record together uh, called Sex and Religion. Um, it was a major label release. It was a, kind of a big deal. Um, I don't think it sold as well or was as big a deal as Passion and Warfare, but I, I basically consider, like, that was one of those big, um, you know, uh, Guitar Hero albums, uh, you know, for, for the real, uh, the, the snobby musicologist guitar people, Passion and Warfare. But it did quite well because it was a big era for that. But no, this was... Um, this was an album of essentially songs where, where you know, two 
two big talents were, were put together. I mean, unknown talent in Devon. He was not a big talent that way. But he was just a, a kind of a, you know, a, a low-key people were realizing this guy was a bit of a musical genius. He was very eccentric. This was a weird time in his life. But here he is working with Steve Vai. And they put together um, these these songful songs. I mean, this was essentially uh, Steve Vai's probably most utilitarian album uh, that is more or less a solo album, although it's not a Steve Vai album. It's, a, it's the band called Vai. Um, but uh, but but this is a bunch of songs. There's some humor on the album. There's some fast stuff. Obviously, some technical stuff. It's a very weird, scattery sound. They came up with a very distinct sort of sound. But I love the album. I you know I wasn't a big fan of it to begin with. Um, but once I really got into Steve a little more, and definitely a lot more into Devin uh, through Strapping Young Lad and whatnot to start things off. Um, obviously, Devin's a massive talent now and a, and a big, well-respected, known guy. Um, but this album uh, has a lot of fun stuff on it, and obviously this is one of the one of the really fun moments where where he basically uh, sings something that sounds like a verse, um, but uh, but none of those things are actual words. So it so it basically comes out as a vocal solo, and I and I can't remember. I I didn't finish my research on this, but I I think um doesn't uh, doesn't what's his name um. Uh, and Anthony Kiedis, right? That's his name. Uh, from Red Hot Chili Peppers, doesn't he actually do a um, something like this, where he just vocalizes and it's not real words at some point? But but this one really comes off as more of a solo. And then of course, when you go down this road, you think of someone like uh, Mike Patton and Fantomas with his uh, you know crazy crazy yelping vocal. He's basically vocal as a as a weird instrument. Um, essentially is what uh, he he did in the Fantomas and he got a lot of uh, he he got a lot of notoriety for that that was kind of a really cool band I saw them live once I was unbelievable it was very very odd I believe that was at the uh, the opera house here in Toronto okay so Moving on, okay, no, I, I just wanted to mention before we leave that, so that band Vi, um, so it was Steve Vi, Devin Townsend, Terry Bozio on drums, one of my favorite drummers, one of the greatest drum solos I ever saw was him playing with UK here in Toronto, and TM Stevens on bass. So it was just a powerhouse, powerhouse band of like, almost like, you know, four of the greatest um, greatest talents that you could you could get on their respective instruments. Although Devin was was a singer on this, I you know it's hard to say Devin is the greatest vocalist in the world. He's just the greatest all around, you know, a guy who can make full albums on his own. Um, but yeah, just this weird super group band that uh, that burned out quick. Could only do this for one album, sort of thing. Okay. So moving on, we are at number five in our History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, Weird Solos. Uh, this is the best. I've left you the best for last. Uh, take a listen to this. This is The Bears with Aches and Pains. All right, so I I love this solo. I've always loved this solo. I wanted to. I I almost put it into our uh, best guitar solos. 
um, episode. But when I played back, uh, played it back, I realized very little of it is guitar. The guitar comes in at the end. Uh, I still love it. It's still a great, great little uh, little lick of a solo uh, in there. Um, but no, Ad- Adrian Blue is one of my favorite artists of all time across all genres and this album uh rise and shine which is the second bears album they made four uh two back in the 80s close together this is 80 uh 86 i believe 85 is the other one something like that so so the the first two the first one's just a self-titled um and then they make this one rise and shine which is an unbelievable drop dead classic start to finish it is so good and then they made a couple uh later i think it's a uh, car caught fire and eureka uh and then that's it so this is adrian going back to uh to cleveland and working with his uh buddies from ohio um and i saw them live in toronto at the phoenix it was so so good back in probably right around here 87 88 um great great band um you know and i'm embarrassed to say i mean when this uh this cool solo which throws everything at the kitchen sink at it in terms of weird solos when it does break into guitar i don't even know if that is adrian or the other guitarist in the band rob fetters i mean it doesn't sound a lot like adrian blue so i i imagine this one might be uh rob fetters taking a solo but they had the two those two were the guitars and vocals in the band uh bob nyswanger on bass chris arducer on drums um but yeah, check out this album. Again, this is one of my joys of doing this podcast is turning people on to music they might not have known. But did, did you hear that drumming and that rhythm section when that and that airy ethereal guitar solo kicks in after the jokey bit? Um, you know, but but I mean, is there a better solo to uh, to illustrate uh, this concept for this episode? Weird solos? I don't think so. So I, I had to pick that even though, again, we're stepping out of our little hard rock world there, aren't we? Um Okay, so that's our five. Um, And I wanted to mention a couple of honorable mentions that I wanted to squeeze into this, but because it's a a five-song format, I couldn't put them in. But go check them out. Uh, These ones I even went so far as to to pick where they are in the song. So I'm going to tell you that to be helpful, and you can go check it out. Um, So my first honorable mention was uh, Tesla with Edison's Medicine at 230 to 254. Um, You get a theremin solo, which goes into a guitar solo. That's really kind of cool. This is Frank Hannon. Frank Hannon's a cool kind of hippie dude anyways. Um, He's a great guy. Um, But basically, uh, the cool thing about putting theremin in Edison's Medicine is it's sort of this uh, experimental electronic instrument. Uh, Jimmy Page uses the theremin as well. Um, I think it's no quarter, perhaps. Uh, But anyways... It's this cool kind of like rudimentary uh, pr- uh, proto predecessor to a synthesizer, and uh, and it's cool using it in this song because this is the song that is sort of uh, you know the song that is about the um, the controversy about who invented electricity was it Nikolai Tesla or was it Thomas Edison kind of thing, and uh, and so it's it's like uh, you know using a theremin. Uh, as a solo instrument is almost like a metaphor for the story uh, so that's kind of cool uh, so so you get a theremin solo that breaks into a guitar solo I believe uh, for the second half of what I just uh, mentioned there 230 to 254 um, so that's cool and of course another one how can we forget uh, good old jackal with the lumberjack so at 130 to 159 of the lumberjack off of the debut album um there is a uh, chainsaw solo. You know, chainsaw is their big novelty thing. Um, so basically, uh, and and we, you know, 
I mean, Jackal, we, I, I remember seeing Jackal live backing up Aerosmith at the Sky Dome, uh, which is now the Rogers Center, and I think they had the bowl configuration. They were backing up Aerosmith, and, uh, you know, um, they cut up a stool on stage, so that was kind of cool with the, with the chainsaw. But obviously in the Lumberjack, you get a full-blown chainsaw solo, which reminds me of that, uh, a little bit of that, uh, that drill thing you get at the beginning of Pound Cake, where Eddie... Um, Eddie Van Halen applies to uh, to his guitar. I think he takes out an electric drill and and plays it along the strings to start off Pound Cake before Alex comes in with that thundering heroic drumming on that uh, on that one. So yeah, so as mentioned as well, um, I, I didn't pick out the timing of these, and this is more of a general discussion, but also mentioned uh, when Joe brought up uh, doing this episode. Thank you, Joe, again. Um, you know, you've got the ACDC, the bagpipes by Bon Scott in uh, in It's a Long Way to the Top, but it's not really a solo. It's more of a used as a textural instrument and a bit of a novelty thing. Uh, again, you've got Kansas, Robbie Steinhardt. You've got all this... Um, You've got all this violin across, uh, across uh, you know, many of their songs. Um, you know, one, one that I, I just sort of thought of off the top of my head that, that kind of fits this thing but was a little too famous is the, um, the saxophone solo in Foreigner's Urgent. Um, that's a big famous one that everybody always thinks about all the time with those really super high notes that, uh, that get hit uh, in that one. Um, and, and one other kind of funny one I wanted to mention that just dawned on me before I basically turned the mic on was uh, think, of, uh, think of Biff talking in, uh, in denim and leather um, about, you know, he starts bringing up the instrument saying, oh, maybe you want to learn the drums. Maybe you don't want to learn the bass. And they do one of those kind of semi-cheesy things of when he says drums, there's a, there's a few drum whacks. And then when he says bass, there's a little bit of bass in there. So I thought that was kind of cool that here we are, you know, Biff's pointing out the instruments and they're, and they're doing this stuff. So so there you go. That uh, that is our episode. That is our fun episode. I thought on uh, on weird solos. You can check us out, of course, on the Facebook page for us, uh, History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff Facebook. You can go to the regular Facebook page. Um, I also have the public person page there, um, and you can go to martinpopoff.com for all your book needs if you feel you need any more of my books. Um, recently, there's been quite a lot of activity in sending out uh, uh, Anthem Rush in the seventies. Uh, Blue Oyster Cult, A Visual History, and uh, and today I was working on the final edits. Uh, faithful listener Augustine has been helping me with this on a copy edit. I'm finishing up um, Empire of the Clouds, Iron Maiden in the 2000s. I just edited this morning um, uh, the Matter of Life of Death chapter. I'm moving on to Primal Rock Rebellion and uh, British Lion. So I'm uh, two-thirds through that. Uh, I saw the cover design yesterday. looks awesome. Um, so basically, um, that's it. I'm working away here. Um, hope you enjoyed this episode and maybe uh, a clue as to what might be coming in further episodes uh, comes from all that discussion about uh, keyboards and piano and stuff like that. Um, so that's it. Signing off for now. Uh, Martin Popoff again. Uh, your your faithful um, documenter of all this uh, weird, obscure trivia. Um, we shall see you again next time. Bye for now. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR 
Archaeology. Tweet us at R&R Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 